0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader at Horns 24-7, the managing editor, Taylor Estes, she's actually on the road this week, hence her new background, her fresh new background. Taylor, what's going on?
1: Hey, you know I'm a I'm we are recording from. Well, for I am at Lisa, uh, my dad's home office. So there's a really sweet fax machine right over here that's probably been here since 1998. So that's really cool. But everything's good. How about you?
0: <laughs> hey, no no complaints. Um, We've got, uh, it's Christmas week, so Merry Christmas to everyone listening to the Flagship Podcast. We appreciate you tremendously and uh, hope that everyone's having a, a safe and, and happy, merry Christmas week. Getting some, getting some of your favorite foods and family time in. I know, I know that's the goal here at the Brown House this week. So, uh, but Taylor, I mean, everything has been compressed Uh, This has been the weirdest football season of all time. We got bowl games getting canceled left and right because of COVID, but Texas is going to the Alamo bowl and they're going to play the Colorado Buffaloes and it's going to happen December 29th. So as soon as you kind of wash the dishes from Christmas, it's going to be time to, to get to San Antonio December 29th, eight o'clock at night the Longhorns got the, the nightcap on the 29th. They have men's and women's basketball games earlier that day. So it will be a Longhorn athletic extravaganza um, on the 29th. And this is a, a matchup that we haven't seen uh, since these two were were big 12 mates. And this is a this is a big deal to Colorado because they went to the Alamo bowl in 2016. And then they have not, they weren't in a bowl game before that um, until, I mean, you have to go back to 2007. So this is not a regular occurrence for Colorado. Of course, they've been through coaches. I mean, it, it was Dan Hawkins. It was, um, you know, Mike McIntyre, John Embry, um, then Mel Tucker for one year, and now Carl Durrell. So, um, and and Colorado was picked to finish last in the Pac-12 South, and so you know they were undefeated right up until they faced Utah in their final um, final game of their six-game Pac-12 schedule. And Colorado led that game twenty-one to ten in that game. Colorado. Uh, Receiver Brendan Rice, the son of Jerry Rice, the Hall of Famer, became the first Buffalo in 25 years to have a receiving touchdown and a punt return touchdown in the same game. And Colorado led Utah 21 to 10, and then they lost their star heart and soul player, their best player on the team, Nate Landman, the linebacker. And Utah scored 28 unanswered points and won that game and knocked Colorado from the ranks of the unbeaten. Colorado had beaten UCLA and Stanford earlier in the year, probably their two best games. Um, Also beat Arizona, uh, which ended up firing its coach, Kevin Sumlin, and had uh, also beat San Diego State. Had a game against Arizona State canceled because of COVID-19. But, um, the Longhorns are going to take on the, uh, the four and one Colorado Buffaloes, Taylor.
1: Yeah. It's going to be an interesting game chip because I feel like we don't really know much about the Pac-12 or the big 10, you know, a lot of these teams because they haven't played many games. Um, but I definitely think that this is a more favorable matchup probably for Texas, um, as opposed to, cause it would have been USC, right. Yeah. Between the two of them. Yeah. So, you know, uh, as much as it would have been kind of interesting to see uh Texas play USC with former defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando over there, you know, Graham Harrell, the OC that Tom Herman wanted to hire, but uh, was turned down the job. And then Craig Niver, the former safeties coach of Texas. So that would have been a fun little reunion, I think, for uh, the Longhorns to play USC, but I feel like this is. And probably don't forget better.
0: Brew McCoy, right? Oh
1: yeah. And Brew McCoy, of course, Brew McCoy. <laughs> so I feel like this. You know, that would have been that would have been uh, something to definitely watch. But I think that this is probably a a game where Texas probably has a little bit better chances than had they played USC.
0: Yeah, I think I think the fact that that Nate Landman, uh, Colorado's best player, their heart and soul leader um, who ruptured an Achilles in that Utah game and will not be available for this game is uh, is a big deal. We'll see how Colorado bounces back. They did not handle it well. Obviously, in the Utah game, they were up 21 to 10. Landman gets hurt. They give up 28 unanswered points and lose the game. Um, now they'll have. They obviously know he's not going to be in the game. But how well can they patch things up? Because Texas also has some patching up to do with uh, the number of players who have opted out. Um, Joseph Osai, uh, the most uh, Probably the biggest name on that list. Obviously, he's he's a um, you know Nagurski Award um, semifinalist and a guy who is the the stir that or the straw that stirs the drink for the Texas defense. He will not be available, opting out. Taquan Graham on the defensive line has opted out as well as Caden Stearns, Chris Brown. So uh, the Texas defense has some some holes to fill as well. This, this is just uh, where we are at this point. And of course, uh, Derek Kerstetter uh, on the offensive line will be out and Sam Cosme. Uh, Kerstetter out with an injury. Cosme has opted out to get ready for the NFL draft. So um, it's, uh, you know, you're you're going to get to see some younger players in this in this Alamo Bowl game.
1: Yeah, you definitely are. And I don't know, I mean, do you think this is a good... <laughs> sign like I I'm kind of that's a good point because you know with all the players that have opted out one thing that Texas does have they've you know had not obviously to uh, prepare for Colorado specifically but they've been you know back in practice for the last what is like a week or so now after their COVID outbreak so um, and they hadn't had to worry about a game to be played so I think that probably helps a little bit but yeah I mean um, that will be an interesting thing. And, you know, well, the other thing that's still kind of in limbo right now, chip is, um, the status of Derek Kerstetter and Sam Ellinger, uh, two of the bigger name guys that haven't really said if they were going to return for another year. Uh, so I feel like at least, especially with Sam Ellinger in the Alamo bowl is probably going to be a really pressing type of topic leading up to it. And while he's there, um, to see if he's going to stick around or not.
0: Yeah. And, um, while we wait for, for word from Sam Ellinger and Derek Kerstetter, we did get word today that DeMarvian and Overshawn will return for the 2021 season. And um, obviously Overshawn, one of the most improved players on this football team in 2020, a real positive for the Texas uh, Longhorns, especially the defense. Overshawn, um, you know, struggled early in the year with the uh, transition from safety to weak side linebacker, but got better and better. Uh, and over the second half of the season, you know, made the, made the case, in my opinion, for the most improved player on the team in 2020 and just, uh, you know, became a playmaker, seven and a half tackles for loss, a couple of forced fumbles and um, you and know, those-
1: healthy too, those, which was a big thing with him. You know, he had, a lengthy is- injury past, where I, you know, I believe in that he. This is probably one of his first seasons of playing football since high school, where, or you know, since he started high school football, I think where he didn't have an injury interrupt the season or you know make him miss uh, playing time. So that helps too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Had a sack, had an interception, uh, tied for the team lead with uh, safety Chris Brown in pass breakups with seven. So Demarvin over Sean. Uh, coming back, and that's great news for Texas. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's a kind of a, a wild uh, time still <laughs> for Texas football. A lot of uncertainty, as we mentioned, um, because you know there's still the sort of the the cloud of uncertainty hanging over Tom Herman as well as uh, um, you know there's still there's still movement out there. Let's put it that way the big money guys pressuring uh, the top of the administration at Texas to, to make a change. We'll see if that, uh, if that indeed happens after the Alamo bowl, obviously Chris Del Conte put out a statement uh, saying Tom Herman's our coach and um, you know, said to horns 24 seven in the Austin American Statesman um, it's his intent to bring Herman back as the coach in 2021. So (laughs) Um, but we know Taylor from past history. In 2013, um, Steve Patterson announced Mac Brown would would be the coach, and uh, he did that in a room full of 17 uh, kids on their official visit for breakfast, and then at dinner that night announced that Mac Brown would not be right, their right coach right. going forward. So Texas has a a unique way of of handling. Uh, coaching decisions at times and we'll see how this one plays out once the Alamo bowl is done. Um, but, you know, we have not probably paid enough attention um, Taylor. Um, and also we should mention Jacoby Jones is uh, is another senior we've heard um, will most likely return for the 2021 season. Uh, he hasn't said anything publicly, but the indication I'm hearing is that he will uh, be back for the 2021 season. And um, Texas is trying to figure out how they replace Joseph Osai in that 2021 season. Uh, Marquez Bimage has said he'll be back. I think that the coaches are planning on that. So we'll see if, if, if either Jones or, or Bimage could be uh, contenders to replace Joseph Osai uh, at that Jack linebacker position. Um, but you know, we haven't given enough love honestly here on the flagship podcast, because there's been so much going on with football, uh, to the Texas men's and women's basketball teams and the Texas men's team is number 10 in the country and had a exciting game over Oklahoma State, uh, exciting win over Oklahoma State to open Big 12 play. You had two of the, the biggest name freshmen in the country going at it. Greg Brown for Texas, Cade Cunningham for Oklahoma State. They put on a show. You had uh, you know 24 points, 14 rebounds from Greg Brown. You had 25 points from Cade Cunningham. Texas hangs on, wins the game 77-74, rises to number 10 in the rankings. And uh, the Texas women are number number 20 in the rankings and opened Big 12 play this week with a 10-point win over K-State. And the most remarkable part of that win was forcing 34 turnovers. So Texas forces 34 K-State turnovers and turns those 34 miscues into 38 points. And that is... That is Vic Schaefer basketball right there. I in the morning brew today. I I went back and and looked at his Mississippi State teams and where they ranked in in turnover margin nationally the last five years, and they were in the top twelve nationally each of the past five years, and right now they are again in the top ten in turnover margin, um, and just and they're dominating the Big Twelve in turnover margin, a- averaging. A plus of uh, of ten point four turnovers. You know, they're they're uh, forcing more turnovers by their opponents, um, and and converting those into points. Each of their seven games, they've they've uh, been able to turn uh, turnovers by their opponents into at least twenty points, um, and it's it's fun to watch. They're pressuring teams all over the floor, and Charlie Collier is looking like an all American. Um, she's averaging 24 points and almost 10 rebounds per game. And she is, she's a star. And so, um, you know, when you look at Charlie Collier for the women, you look at Greg Brown for the men, there's a lot to be excited about. If you're a, a Texas basketball fan, um, especially when you consider that the men have three veteran guards, uh, Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, who are all playing, Um, at a high level, especially Matt Coleman, a guy who's kind of been up and down in his career at Texas. He's been really solid. Texas needed to hit free throws down the stretch to hold off Oklahoma State, and they did. They hit 14 of 17 down the stretch. Coleman um, was 7 of 8. He missed uh, the the second of two free throws uh, on purpose to to, uh, make sure that um, Oklahoma State couldn't, you know, get off a, a three-point shot. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to Texas basketball. And we haven't said that in a while, Taylor.
1: Yeah, it has been a while, but I think that especially with the men's basketball team, I feel like some Texas fans may be kind of in a wait and see type of um, mode right now, because if you go back to, I mean, even just last season, you know, Texas started off pretty well. They had you know, one or two losses, I think, leading into conference play. And then uh, they were, you know, struck with a lot of injuries too and um, stuff like that. But I feel like, do you do you sense that coming, Chip? I got to ask you that because we've seen Shaka Smart now. What, he's in his sixth, fifth year at Texas or sixth year? Fifth, which year is it now? Sixth I year. Yeah, sixth year. And his team's kind of a lot, seem to start strong a lot of times, and then kind of fall off, do you get that sense at all? Or do you think that he, in your opinion, in covering him you know, for the last six years, if, if this is a different type of a start?
0: Yeah, I think um, it's something, you know, there's a lot to be excited about for sure um, when it comes to the, to the Texas um, men and, and Greg Brown with as active as he is. The one thing I would keep an eye on, um, is the three-point shooting of Brown, because he's he's one shy of the most three-point shot attempts on the team, and this is a six-foot-nine rim rocker. I mean, this guy has an unbelievable vertical jump. He's he's incredibly explosive. He's great around the rim. He's you know getting it done, uh, rebounding, um, but his. Three point shooting was terrible to start the year. He was two of fifteen uh, through their first five games, and he's he's improved over the last two games. Um, when he's uh, been able to to hit, um, well, he hit three of seven against Oklahoma State, and they were, you know, it was it was. <laughs> I mean, that's a good performance. You'll take that, but can he sustain it? You know, can he sustain it? Is, is this where you want Greg Brown? Do you want him shooting threes? Obviously, he wants to show that to the NBA. Um, being a six-foot-nine guy who can get to the rim and, and be explosive and do it all and shoot threes, you know, he could be the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. I just want to see if those threes are coming within the flow of the offense because Texas is, you know, they shot 27 threes against Oklahoma State. They only made nine. And, and you just want to get good shot selection because they are able to, to run high screen action for him, for Kai Jones, for Jericho Sims. And those guys, you know, are screening and rolling to the basket, getting easy points. You got three guards who can get to the rim and Texas had a 13 point lead with 10 minutes left. And then they, they go one of five from three point range down the stretch and, and they needed to hit every one of those free throws to hold Oklahoma State off. And Oklahoma State's not even, you know, one of the four teams. I mean, there are four Big Twelve teams ahead of Texas in in the rankings. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Baylor, you look at Kansas, and um, and so you know West Virginia. You just you just want to see if if you know. I just think back to Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba, you know, shooting threes. Uh, three years ago and you're going, what are you doing? You know, you're you're seven feet tall, you've got one of the biggest wingspans in human history, and you're out there shooting threes when, you know, they need you around the rim. So let's see. Greg Brown is incredibly dynamic. I love watching this kid play. He's so explosive and he's a team guy. I mean he's he's getting your rebounds. He's he's making free throws. He's doing it all. And I love watching him play. And is he just going to keep getting better from the three-point line or is this sort of a, you know, trial, trial and error situation? Because at the end of the day, Texas is going to have to win games by going inside because they have the muscle to do it with guys like Greg Brown, Kai Jones, and Jericho Sims.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chip, you know, we will continue this a little bit about basketball discussion in uh, our Love It or Leave It segment, but we are going to take a quick break before we get to Love It or Leave It. So uh, stay tuned. We will
0: be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: So, Chip, are you ready for this? Uh, I'm ready. All right, we're going to have a little mixed bag of uh, different sports and uh, topics today. So the first one I'm going to hit you with here is love it or leave it. Texas should be thankful that USC opted out of a bowl game.
0: Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to love this. I'm going to love this. Cause I think USC um, obviously Keaton Slovis didn't have his best game in that, in that PAC 12 championship game against Oregon. Uh, but they're an explosive team. I mean, when you think about Amon Ross, St. Brown and bru McCoy and, and look, a, a USC defense that was improved, and to the point where Todd Orlando was a Broyles Award um, nominee, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a team that um, Texas has history with, right? You know, and I think it would have I, it would have been much better for the fans. It would have been much better for the fans. But when you have to take on Amon Ross, Saint Brown, Brew McCoy, Keaton Slovis, without Joseph Osai, Taquan Graham, Chris Brown, Caden Stearns—that's a lot to ask. I—I I feel like you're you're getting a Colorado team that you can beat, right? Uh, especially without Nate Lamman. So I'm gonna I'm gonna love this.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I mean, I think with no disrespect to Colorado, you know, I feel like the the athletes at USC are probably much more comparable to what Texas has. You know, it, it would be more of a you know, toe to toe battle at a lot of positions. And you're right, you know, with the opt out of a ton of players on defense, especially that could have been um, not the best situation for Texas. And, uh, you know, I think Texas fans may have been like, oh, so that's what Graham Harrell is capable of doing when he's calling an offense. So, yeah, I, uh, I agree. I'm going to gonna love that one. Um, but I mean, it is exciting, though, that for Colorado, you know, that they're going to an Alamo Bowl game um, in the head coach's first year there, I mean, they've had what three coaches in three years, I think at Colorado. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. So good for them. It's awesome to see that, but, um, you know, uh, I think it's a better situation for Texas. So, um, my next one here for you, Chip, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, love it or leave it. Texas women's hoops will go deeper in March than the men.
0: You know, um, This is a tough one, but I just, I feel I'm, I'm going to love this in part because Vic Schaefer as a coach has been to the national championship game twice in the last three years. And I just feel like he breathes confidence into his team while also getting them to play harder than they've ever played before with their pressure defense and their ability to turn people over, if they can stay healthy, I mean, Charlie Collier's an all American. I mean, if, if Greg Brown is a all American candidate for Texas, Charlie Collier is every bit of that for the women. And, and she plays around the rim. I mean, her field goal percentage is, you know, it's 70%. Greg Brown's field goal percentage is in the forties. That's, that's pretty low for a guy who's that much of a rim rocker. And it's because again, of the three point shooting that he's been, um, you know, dabbling in and, and maybe it'll, again, we just have to watch Greg Brown's three point shooting to see how it evolves. But, you know, even though the Texas women are young, they did pick up a couple of key transfers. Um, Kyla Lambert from Duke is now playing for them. and, you know, they, they, um, you know, picked up some, uh, other transfers who are really contributing and giving them some veteran presence. So I'm going to love this and no disrespect to the, to the men's team. Cause I think the men's team, I think they could both go far, you know, I, I feel like these are teams that should be in the sweet 16 with their talent and, um, and the fact that They've got some matchup advantages. I think the fact that the Texas men have three veteran guards who are all playing well. Andrew Jones started off with a, in a little bit of a shooting slump, but he's getting better. And Matt Coleman's playing at a really high level. Um, Obviously the big 12 is going to be a tougher road for the men. Right. um, Because of the, the fact that the, the Big 12 is loaded. I mean, Baylor's number two, Kansas number three, West Virginia's number seven, and Texas is number 10 right now. Yeah. So I just, I'm going to love the fact that the women probably go a little deeper than the men.
1: Yeah. You you basically took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, the shock of smart has yet to make it out of the first game of the NCAA tournament, let alone even the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I think that I, I agree with you with Vic Schaefer. With um, you know his coaching record speaks for himself, and I think that as you mentioned, you know he he makes makes sure that his players are more confident in themselves than they've ever been when they take the court, and I think that 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 plays off or that pays off in the long run. You know when if you can keep the consistent confidence level, even if you have a little bit of a you know um, younger team of some sort or anything like that, you know or just new coach something. And, you know, just outside stuff that um, that impact rosters, I think that it helps if you if the coach has really, you know, as you said, breathe the confidence into this players. I mean, it's kind of like how Lincoln Riley is with his quarterbacks at Oklahoma. I mean, you know, one thing that those quarterbacks that he's had at Oklahoma are never going to be is second guessing themselves and their confidence in themselves because of how Lincoln Riley gets them prepared for the game. And I feel like that's kind of similar to Vic Schaefer with Shaka Smart's, you know, history at Texas and the NCAA tournament, I think it's probably the safe bet to say that the women will go further. But, you know, we'll see. Like, Shaka the cat, you know, nine lives, Shaka Smart here. So I think that, uh, I think it's too early to count them out. I definitely think that. But, you know, I think just, you know, Schaefer's record speaks for itself. And I would I would probably put, if I was a betting person, I'd put money on them instead to go further than the men.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Vic's been there a lot, yeah. and Shaka hasn't been there since 2011, hasn't won an NCAA tournament game since 2013. Mm-hmm. He's got a team this year that should get to the at least the Sweet 16. I mean, think about Lance Blanks, former Longhorn star, former NBA GM, set on the Longhorn Network, over under for this year's Texas team, the Final Four. How about that? Jeez. I trust Lance Blanks. Now, I don't know if he was kind of getting swept up watching Greg Brown, who's phenomenal. I mean, right. Greg Brown could be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. That's how good he is. And and he's way more fun to watch because he's an all-court guy than than even Jared Allen or, or Mo, Mo Bamba or Jackson Hayes, who were more, you know, they were true big men. They're seven-footers. Greg Brown is all over the place. He's on the perimeter. He's, he's slashing to the basket. He's, you know, he's getting up above the, the rim by a mile. I mean, this guy, he's like Zion Williamson. He's going to clang his head on the rim. He jumps so high. So I love watching this Texas men's team play. I love watching the women play too, because they pressure all over the place. It's not just, you know, bland half court basketball with these teams. They are, they're fun to watch.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's interesting though about Lance Blake saying that about them making it to the final four cuz I mean when when was the last time that that happened? Was it 2004? Was it 2003? Yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah.
0: When both the men and women made it to the final four.
1: Yeah. Hmm, maybe maybe we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. All right, Chip, I have one more. Love it. Or leave it for you. And that is, love it or leave it, you were more surprised by Quandre Diggs making his first Pro Bowl than by Dan Mullen being reprimanded by the NCAA, Sonny Cumbie returning to Texas Tech as OC, or Larry Fedora getting fired at Baylor after one year as OC.
0: Man, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, There's a lot going on right there. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm going to say... I'm gonna say I'm gonna leave this because I'm not even though Quandre Diggs, who was what, a sixth round pick mm-hmm. and undersized and the guy loves football. He's thick, he he's a playmaker. I watched him play for my Lions and knew how good he was. Couldn't believe that they that he you know the Lions traded him away to Seattle where he's only gotten better it seems and that's been a that's been a seahawks defense that has been struggling but you know four interceptions i mean the guy is is has been a monster i'll say i was more surprised by dan mullen getting reprimanded he now has show cause um which is um, show cause for recruiting which is yikes you know Mm -hmm. um and You know, he's a guy who I've championed as a, a, you know, rising star coach after nine years at Mississippi State and averaging nearly nine wins. Um, So, you know, him getting a one year show cause for for recruiting violations. That's not a good look, obviously. And he's a guy that if Texas was going to make a move, I I certainly um, said, you got to look at Dan Mullen. Now, I don't know if you can look at Dan Mullen. So that's a, that's a surprise. Uh, Larry Fedora getting whacked after one year, a little late, right? I mean, Charlie Brewer transfers to Utah as a grad transfer. And then Baylor cuts loose of Larry Fedora's offensive coordinator. Um, I mean, Charlie, Charlie Brewer is, he's, he's the guy who led you to the 11 and one regular season under Matt rule. And, and then, this year's Baylor offense was such a mess that you had players at Baylor talking about opting out almost every week of the season. Right. I mean, remember and Ebner and, and, you know, John Elliott saying, yeah, we're opting out. And then somehow, um, you know, Dave Aranda talked him into, into continuing to, to play this season. It just, it was not good. And then Sonny Cumby, how about that? We knew there was a little bit of friction between he and Gary Patterson the last couple seasons, so good for Matt Wells and Kirby Hocutt to to bring Sonny Cumbie home and and try and get the Texas Tech offense jump started. You know, it was a tricky situation out at Texas Tech Taylor because there were a couple of young boosters at Tech who really wanted to go after Art Briles and get rid of Matt Wells.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well. Kirby Hoka wanted no part of that. And so he he keeps Matt Wells and then helps Wells go get Sonny Cumby, who of course played at Texas Tech. I mean, tech fans are excited about this. Yeah. And and they it 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 it's it's a, it's a nice consolation, let's say, in my opinion, because I think Matt Wells is a good coach. And and now you bring Sonny Cumbie home, tech fans are excited. And they forget about our Bryles a little bit, who I still think will end up at Liberty, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So that was a really long answer to your question. <laughs>
1: well, it was a really long question, so that's probably why. But I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to leave it at as well. You know, I, I, uh, I, it's, I think it's awesome that Quandre Diggs you know, made it to the Pro Bowl. I think it would be more surprising that he hasn't done that before, you know, um, that that's more of the surprise to me, um, that this is his first trip to the pro bowl, um, Quandary the giant as, uh, he was called at Texas. <laughs> uh, Kenny Carr was the first one that told us that, but yeah, I'm going to leave it because I mean, first I just, all of the stuff that has happened, you know, Dan Mullen being reprimanded. I mean, the NCAA reprimanding the head coach at a school like Florida, who's been in you know, talks at least are trying to, you know, close to being a college football playoff contender and history's just kind of shown the NCAA doesn't do a ton when it comes to the big dogs. You know I mean? It's just like your poor Mustangs. I feel like it some type of NCAA violation, every, every other basketball season or something. And it's like, wait, we know for sure, like there's cheating going on other places, but the NCAA tournament funds the, uh, uh, NCAA's, you know, <laughs> revenue at pretty much all of their salaries and stuff. So uh, I was, I was pretty surprised that, you know, he was actually reprimanded with that one year show cause um, and Larry Fedora getting fired after her first season. Now I, I think that's a warranted move because as you mentioned, you know, the Baylor offense was just all types of messed up. Um, and this is all, alre- this was already a team that was going to be in a rebuilding situation you know, Dan, Dave Miranda is a first year head coach. Um, I think that it was probably the wrong decision for him to hire Larry Fedora in the first place. But for a first year head coach getting rid of his oath, offensive coordinator year one, you know, once you start firing coordinators, you're only leaving so many people to point, you know, to pin the blame on if, if it doesn't go right. So that was a shocking move to me like that. That's probably the biggest one than anything else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, John Lovett, the running back I mentioned from Baylor is headed to, uh, to Penn state. So.
1: And can we um, talk about Charlie Brewer, first of all, going to Utah. I mean, we talked last week on the flagship podcast about how Texas, if Sam Ellinger's not, you know, going to uh, return, then I for sure thought Charlie Brewer was somebody that they needed to pursue. So, it's kind of- yeah, and he
0: he goes to Utah with Jaquindon Jackson. Just gonna, yeah, <laughs> the the freshman from Duncanville who should have won the state championship two years ago uh, lost it to Galena Park North Shore on a hail mary, but he played well enough to win it. Mm-hmm. And then he he tore up his knee in the playoffs last year, and is still you know working his way back from that. You heard Mike Yersich talk about what a cannon army had. Um, And now he's headed to Utah and that's what two years after cam rising Mm -hmm. left Texas for Utah. So I don't know what Kyle Whittingham has going there at Utah that, that, uh, is like, you know, I don't know. Some
1: wearing all these Texas kids for sure. sure.
0: Yeah. He's a hypnotist when it comes to, (laughs) to Texas quarterbacks, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how that ends for, uh, for Charlie Brewer and for Jaquin and Jackson and for cam rising this, this year, the Utah quarterback was Jake Bentley, a, a grad transfer from South Carolina. Right. So I don't know how cam rising felt about that. And now here comes Charlie Brewer, but um, that's, that's Utah's problem now. And, uh, and Taylor, um, we, we sure appreciate everybody listening into the flagship podcast here on Christmas week. Make sure that you, uh, you, you know, stay safe and, and uh, enjoy this incredible um, Christmas holiday. We hope for everybody. And, uh, and until next time for Taylor Estes, I am chip Brown. Thanks so much for listening to the flagship podcast. Stay safe and keep the faith.